Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you. It's great to be here on a Friday night. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I say it's great to be here on a Friday night. And uh, it's good to have the Lord in our midst. Let me just say this again. Uh, we're going to have a great time tonight, tomorrow night, Sunday morning. I'm flying back Sunday afternoon late. Um, Every time I hear your pastor talk about the apostolic prophetic and how he prepared the church, I'm just blown away by his insight into the scriptures. And you are so blessed to have him as your pastor that specifically understanding the fivefold ministry and the apostolic prophetic. There's many pastors that has no clue when it comes to the apostolic prophetic. Sorry to say it, but I'm so grateful and this is why I feel welcome. Um, let me just, before we're going to go into the Word, let me just say this to you that uh, we're, really, we're really living in significant times. Um, this coming Wednesday, I will have a conference call <clears throat> with about, um, I think it's 16 leaders in the West Virginia State, um, Assemblies of God, Church of God, and interdenominational churches. And it's all about uh, coming together as the remnant. You know, there's many denominations, but within every denomination, God has a remnant. Uh, uh, Gideon had 32,000 men, but ultimately God says, mm -mm, there's a remnant within the 32,000. That's the ones I will use. And it was 300 men. Um, and so I will have a conference call with them, and it's all with the purpose of bringing the remnant together. And it's amazing how they now come together. One of the pastors said to me this week, never ever have they ever seen so many leaders from different flows just willing to come on a conference call. Now, my ministry pay the bill for all these calls because we are bringing them together for the purpose of the upper room and many of you heard that I'm busy with the upper room, which is bringing the American leadership back to their knees. Now, we had one or two conferences concerning the upper room, and it was phenomenal. Uh, I'm not going to try to tell you what happened. There is a DVD coming out that will go on YouTube, and then there's a longer version that I will show in the churches to explain to them what's happening because we had more than one gathering. And then Thursday morning, I have a conference call with about eight leaders from the Ohio State. And some of them, them are very strong churches and large churches. And one is a church from Ghana, several thousand. It's an Assemblies of God church. And this man has started churches in other cities already. Very heavy. If you fly with a plane to Africa and you get off into the heart of Africa, that's what you will feel like when you go to this church in Columbus, Ohio. These leaders will be on a conference call Thursday morning. Same thing, upper room in Columbus, Ohio. And then we will do a second upper room early next year in this very African church in Columbus, Ohio. The first one this year will be at Potter's House, which is a Church of God venue. Uh, the next Monday, I will have a conference call with about 16 or 18 leaders from Southeast Texas for an upper room gathering in southeast texas 
And I just spoke to a very influential leader yesterday that has, I think he has three churches in Houston. So there's a great story behind the scene. Uh, two days ago, I was on a conference call with 200 leaders in America, which was a call of a different nature. And there was very key leaders on that call. I could not um, advertise it. I could not make it known. I'm not supposed to say who was on the call. Um, but all I can say is there is one or two ambassadors involved. Um, and it has to do with what's going on in Israel. And it has to do with the church that needs to correct certain things because what we hear on the airwaves is not always correct. So church, um, why does these things happen? Because God has a remnant that really cares. And even the call with the 200 leaders was about bringing leaders of leaders together on a call. Somebody pays the bill, but it needs to happen. So I, I come to you this weekend with that as a background, although I'm not going to talk about the upper room in the end time, but I just want to for you to understand that um, uh, to bring leaders together from different church flows and denominations, unless God gives you an apostolic mantle, that cannot be done. And it's happening now. Uh, I just spoke in an independent church in West Virginia two weeks ago, and we had a phenomenal breakthrough. They almost wanted us to extend the meetings right, going right over Independence Day. And I said, man, I cannot do that. I, I need to go home. Give me a breather. Give me a break. But um, so there's great things happening. And I'm so grateful to be here with you guys. And, and, and your pastor and this church is part of what God is doing. And let's pray. Uh, I have another leader that will call me this week. And, and they want to bring together leadership in, in the North Carolinas. And there's another upper room coming in Dallas February next year, which I'm all, also busy with. So there's, there's too much to tell you what's going on. And, uh, and let's pray that God will also find a remnant in Arkansas. Uh, pastors that say, man, it's time that we put our differences aside because we need to realize uh, what time it is on God's clock. Amen? Okay. Tonight, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, when God does senseless things. Come on. How many of you love your senses? your thinking abilities. Come on. God gave you your thinking abilities, but God says, I'm a little bit bigger than that. Amen? Tomorrow night, I'm going to talk about that dream, the vision, the stirring that's in you that needs to come out. And I'm going to show to you that sometimes we sit with stirrings in us that we never bring to the table. And if we can only bring it to the table we will be amazed what, what that will do once we release it. You see, you will never know how great the gift is in you until you release it. Come on. And uh, then Sunday morning, I'm going to talk to you about all the bad things in your life that is actually a setup for great things. And um, you're going to like that one. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make you fall in love with things in your life that you thought you should hate. Wow. Okay. You looking forward to that? <laughs> 
that Sunday morning. So uh, we're going to have a great time with the Lord. Tonight, Romans 12. And I'm just going to throw a lot of scriptures at you, and then I want to throw a, a portion of my life at you. Because um, why do I know so much about all these bad things in your life? Because I've been there. You don't want somebody to tell you something from a book, but he's never been there himself. In Romans 12, verse 2, and this is a verse that you've heard so many times, where it says there in verse 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So transformation is linked to the renewing of your mind. Wow. Why does God bring the mind in here? Because your mind is the very thing that can hold you back from the best that God has for you. And he says, uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So you've heard that many times. Good, perfect, and acceptable. That's the will of God. What is the good, perfect, and acceptable? Now, to get to the good, perfect, and acceptable word of God, there's one obstacle, your mind. He says, the goal is the perfect will of God, the good, acceptable will of God. That's the goal. How do I get there? First thing he says, get your mind in line. That's what the Bible says. Your, if your mind is not renewed, God can do nothing. Now, your mind, your thinking is a gift from God. We call it common sense. It's so common it makes sense. Come on. How many of you realize that when you come to church, you don't pray what shoes you should put on? If you have a black shirt, you will probably go with black shoes. Come on. How many of you realize that choice comes out of common sense? Please don't pray over that. Well, some people does not even have that in their common sense. They will wear brown shoes with a black shirt, with a pink jersey, whatever. But let's not go there. Amen? So common sense is things that God says, I'm going to give you that gift of common sense so that you don't need to pray over everything. You can make quick decisions based on what makes sense. But now I want to talk to you about uh, uh, senseless godly commands. I've learned in my life and in my walk with the Lord, I've learned that many times I will have to uh, take my thinking and push it aside and trust God. Come on. And, uh, and I found out that a lot of things that does not make sense is actually God. In fact, these, there could be more things happening in your life that does not make sense, but it's God. Why? Because you cannot figure out how the world is, is existing uh, and how God holds the whole earth up and, and there's galaxies out there. That's not within your common sense. By faith, you embrace it. The fact that God keeps the earth together and nothing tilts and we're all alive. Amen? Now, uh, when you look at Abraham, and, and, and I'm just going to touch on a little nuggets on a lot of, a lot of scriptures. I'm not going to go into the detail of every one of them because uh, we will never go home. But I'm talking about senseless but godly. You say, why, why do you want to talk about this? I want to show you that there's, a, there's, there's miracles, there is uh, amazing things, astounding things that can happen in your life and in my life, and it's within rich. But it's just beyond your senses. Come on. 
Because many people say, I want a ministry like that, and I want a ministry like that, and I want to be like that man of God, and I want to be like that man of God. What you don't know is this man in the pulpit lives a same ordinary life like you, but I had to make choices that did not make sense. But man, when you step out in faith, come on. It doesn't say step out in sense. It says step out in faith. Now, when you look at Abraham's life, you will notice in... Um, Hebrews 11, the Bible says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Not knowing where he was going. So the senses is irrelevant. Not knowing means there were no senses involved. Come on. That's why the Bible does not say, By understanding he went out. The Bible says, By faith. Come on. Faith uh, and senses uh, are enemies. It doesn't say that um, uh, by GPS Abraham obeyed. A GPS is something. A GPS can only take you where man has gone before. How many of you realize that a GPS is just a, uh, a summary of what, what man knows, the road? Faith will take you where a GPS can never take you. Because faith will take you where man has not gone before. Come on. So the Bible says, Abraham, by faith he obeyed. He went out knowing not, not knowing where he was going. Uh, and he dwelt in the land of the promise as in a foreign country. So now he's in the land of the promise, but he feels foreign. How many of you felt foreign sometimes and you say, well, this is probably not God because I don't feel, I, I feel uncomfort, uncomfortable. When you don't feel good about something, it's not a confirmation that you've missed the Lord. Come on. When you feel comfortable all the time, it's a sign that you haven't moved out in faith. Come on. You cannot always be led by comfort. Uh, that's why Abraham felt like a foreigner in the will of God. Wow, I can, I can preach on that for an hour. He felt foreign within the will of God, and, uh, and, and then he took, his, his, he took his, uh, his sons with him. Now, I love this verse in verse 15. It says, and truly, if they had called to mind the country from which they had come out, they would have had an opportunity to return. So what does verse 15 says? If they had allowed their mind to recall where they come from, they would have had an opportunity to go back. Sometimes we must not allow our mind to go back to the season of comfort because that is the gateway back in the wrong direction. Come on. That's why I love that verse. It says there, uh, and truly they had called in mind, if they had called in mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had the opportunity to return. So your senses will always give you an opportunity to go back to plan A and feel good that you, and just comfortable but you're going to find out a year later or six months later or a month later or five years later, I should never have stepped back into comfort. I should have believed God. So what I'm saying to you is, church, that 
many times God will give senseless commands. And I'm going to tell you a little story in my own life tonight. And I hope it, hope it blesses you. When you look at Genesis chapter 22, uh, and I will just tell you a story. God showed up and he said, to, he said to Abraham, I want you to sacrifice Isaac. Why am I talking about this? In order to step out into the world where God operates, we'll have to push the senses aside. Not every day. There's a lot of common sense things that you need to do. That's God. Come on. But in every person's life, there come a moment where you, you need to realize this is a God moment, and I need to step out in faith now. Um, he said to Abraham, he said, I want you to sacrifice Isaac. God is against human sacrifice. God does not believe in human sacrifice. But he said to Abraham, I want you to sacrifice Isaac. So now God is asking Abraham for something that he's actually against. The moment God asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, I, I, Abraham could have said, God, you don't make sense. Because God, you contradict yourself. Now listen to this. Abraham knew the voice of God. Everybody say voice. So well that when he heard the voice, he realized it's the same God who's against human sacrifice that asked me to do human sacrifice. Wow. That's where the test comes. The Bible says God tested Abraham, verse 1. Now, there's incredible revelation in that whole chapter. You know the story how he went up the mountain, took the fire, took the wood, took Isaac with him, took another young lad with him, and then he asked the young lad to stay behind. Now, he went up the mountain. Long story short, every, every step up the mountain, Abraham activated the, the steps of the ram on the other side of the mountain. There was a ram in the mountain. The provision was in the mountain. All the time. God knew about the provision, the ram, and God knew about Abraham, but Abraham did not know about the ram, and the ram did not know why he's in the mountain. But every step that does not make sense up the mountain of obedience uh, activated the ram to go up the mountain, and God was testing Abraham. So what happened? On the top of the mountain, the moment he was ready to kill his son, that does not make sense. God stopped him and God says, now I know. Now, I don't want to talk about now I know. What I do want to say is this. God said, I swear by myself, I will bless you. God does not swear every day. But God swears an oath over people that's willing to go where it doesn't make sense. And I say this very, very carefully, and I say it do, not arrogantly, but a few years ago, I said to my wife, I said to her, I think God swore over us. And I said it because of certain things that we are doing in Africa and because we've, what we've done and where we've gone, I said to her, I think the Lord has sworn an oath over us. She said, why do you say that? I said, I can see in my everyday life the fingerprint of God all over me. 
And I know this does not come easy, and this does not come every day. This is a God thing we are walking in. It's awesome, church. Now, um, when, I, when I talk about senseless but godly, one of the things that, that I want out of my own life is this upper room thing. When God spoke to me a few years ago and said, I want you to challenge leaders in America, I said to the Lord, I'm the wrong person. Uh, I'm a traveling ministry, and I've done it, and, and now there's even a bigger stirring than ever before. Now I see Assemblies of God, Church of God, independent churches uh, uh, just buying into it. It's just like, uh, you say, we'll jump. This is God. This is the time. So church, um, uh, it's amazing what will happen when you start to believe God, and, and I'm not referring to just a spiritual ministry. I'm talking about your business, your everyday life. God is everywhere. Come on. Now, uh, let, let's rush. Um, in, in, in Genesis um, one, uh, 26, there's another little story where, where um, there was a famine. The Bible says in verse 1, there was a famine besides the first famine. So there was two famines, double trouble. And then Isaac was ready to leave the land of Abraham. The Bible says the famine was in the, in the days of Abraham. And you know what God said to Isaac? He said, don't leave the land. Now, I don't know whether you've seen what a famine looked like. But two famines in a row, that's, that's devastating. And God said to Isaac, I want you to sow a seed into double trouble. How many of you realize you don't sow anywhere? You seek and you, you discern, is this good ground to sow in? But in this case, God said, I want you to sow into double trouble. And in the same year, hundredfold return. That tells me that there comes moments in your life and my life where it's not going to make sense, but it's going to be God. And we need to discern what is that moment. Uh, when you look at Joshua chapter 3, uh, uh, verse 6, how Joshua had to lead 2 million Jews into the promised land, and, and we all know the story about the promised land, the land of milk and honey. Uh, one of the things that God said to Joshua, he said, I want you to keep your eyes on the ark. Ark is the top of the Holy Spirit. And then he said to him in verse 6, he said, For you have never gone this way before. How do you take two million Jews that is comfortable and that has walked in circles for 40 years and you tell them, hey, I'm going to lead you to the land of your dreams. But you will have to trust me. We're going to go via a road where we've never gone before. What he's actually saying to them is we do not have a GPS. We will have to do this by faith. Come on. You see, faith will get you where man has never gone before. And that's where I want to go. I, I don't want to have a GPS life. It's boring. I mean, it's the same old voice over and over again. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. And it's always a woman leading you. I don't want to be led by a woman. I want to lead, be led by God. That's just a little bit of humor. Come on, you ladies. Don't hold it against me. <laughs> okay. When you go to Joshua 6, again, senseless. You see, church, let me just say this. 
God created the sun and the moon and the stars and all the galaxies out there. The scientists now discover there's more galaxies out there because they have better cameras. We have not even figured out the moon. Now they discover, but there's other galaxies that just hang out there. Why do they even exist? God is a creator. A prophet prophesies. A pastor, pastor. A carpenter, carpenter. A creator creates. There's only one creator. Buddha is not a creator. Muhammad is not a creator. No other God. There's only one God that is the creator. And that's what he does. So now he creates and he hangs more galaxies that we don't even know about. And by accident, the scientists discover there's more. Why? He's a creator. But this same creator is the one that say to me that I can walk by faith and please him. Come on, faith pleases God. Faith is the only thing that pleases him. Come on. He's not pleased uh, by ordinary things. He's pleased by obedience and he's pleased by your faith. That's why the moment you operate in faith, not in your senses, but in faith, you have God on top of you. Can I tell you what is my revelation why he now creates more galaxies? Because we don't keep him busy with our faith. And I've decided I'm going to keep him busy stepping out in faith so that he can rather concentrate on my faith and bless me than building more galaxies because somebody doesn't keep him busy. Just saying. It's just my version. Come on. Come on, church. He's an incredible God. And I've discovered, I've discovered that he is absolutely pleased by people that say, I'm going to believe God beyond this. I'm going, to go, I'm going to go after him by faith. Now, when you look at Joshua 6, simple stories. But sometimes the greatness of God is revealed in these simple stories that we know so well. You know the story how he said to Joshua, Hey, Joshua, I want you to march around the city of Jericho, and I'm going to give you the city. Wow. God, you want me to march? Yeah, march. Are you sure, God, just march? Yeah. But I want you to do it for six days. Now, for six days, Israel were exposed to the people in the city, and they looked like fools. You see, there comes a moment that your faith will always feel like foolishness. That's why the Bible says Abraham felt foreign. Come on. He felt foreign. When I did the upper room and I called the leaders, I felt foreign. I, I mean, I, 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 I had men on the telephone where, when I said to them, Jesus spoke to me, and I knew that God spoke to me. And I said, God, I'm talking to American leaders. I'm a South African. I have an accent, Lord. I'm an African-American albino. I mean, my God, who am I to talk to them? Uh, but you know what? God honored my faith. Did I feel foreign? Yes. I had conference calls with such great leaders 
that when I put the phone down, I had headaches like I can you cannot believe it because of the stress and the pressure on me. Because I have men on phones that has churches of 8,000 members that doesn't even know who I am. They've never seen me in their whole life. And one of them said to me, I want you to prophesy to me, sir. And I said to her, I do not do that over the telephone, but to you, I know your name. I don't know what you look like, but I have a word for you. And I did prophesy. I gave another man a word. He pastors one of the great assemblies of God churches that is very well known in America. Never met him till this day. He was on the phone, and I saw something in the spirit, and I said to him, sir, I want to tell you something. I don't do this over the phone, but I see this, and I told him exactly what I saw. Five minutes after the conference call, he emailed me the whole design, and he said to me, what you saw in the conference call, and it was not about that. It was about the upper room. He said, here is the design. I'm ready to announce it Sunday in my church. You just confirmed. Mind-blowing. How do you prophesy to household names that you cannot even call? They will never pick up their phone. If you do the upper room thing, they will come on to conference calls because the Holy Spirit will cause a stirring and you will sit there and you will say things to leaders and you say, my God, how did I get here? I had to lose my senses. And the moment you lose your senses, you will get headaches and all kind of stuff. But trust God. And now we are where we are. I'm preaching in churches at the moment that would never have opened up for me had I not been obedient a few years ago. You see, sometimes it's not running after a church that need to open up. Sometimes it's doing something over here. And when you do something over here, it opens up door over here. And you say, but how did this door open? You realize, oh my goodness, this door had to do with what I did here and what I did here. I didn't even know this person over here. I mean, this is different states. God. It's amazing how God works. Okay. Uh, now, let's go to Second uh, Kings 4, and you know the story uh, well as well. Well, let, let me just go back to this. Uh, they, they marched around six days. Now, just imagine what you look like when you march around a city for six days, and on top of that, you're not supposed to say anything. You cannot whine. You cannot complain. Nothing. Why did God say, don't say anything? Because God says, I know what will come out of their mouth. And God decided, before they kill it, I will not allow them to say anything. Come on. You can kill things with your mouth. You can kill all your blessings with your mouth. Now, church, I don't have the time to explain to you what they felt like after six days. Can you imagine when the, when the, the people walked on the, on the walls, saw them, what they thought of them? You must understand Israel could not say anything, but the people on the walls, they said a lot of things. It's hard to trust God when everybody can say whatever they want to say, and you're not supposed to repeat it, uh, to, to respond. And then on the seventh day, they had to walk seven times. That's even worse. But then at a certain time, they had to release a sound, and I don't want to talk about that, but I, what I like about that is don't always make a sound when it's not time for sound. That is something I can preach about, but I'm not going to go into that. So powerful, God gave them the city. 2 Kings chapter 4. In 2 Kings chapter 4, we have a lady. She lost her husband. Her husband is a prophet. And she said, Elisha, the, the creditor is coming to take all my sons, and, uh, and, uh, and I'm in trouble. 
And Elisha said to her, what do you have in the house? And she said, I have nothing in the house but a jar of oil. And uh, the jar of oil speaks of the anointing. And Elisha said to her, hey, you better go and get containers. You better get all the containers of all your neighbors. And then he said to her, do not gather just a few. So what he's actually saying to her is, do not have a poverty mentality. Now watch how Elisha prepared her. Elisha is a prophet. Elisha is a type of the word. You see, he represents God. You see, and immediately Elisha stretched her beyond her thinking. He said to her, what do you have in the house? She says, I have nothing but a jar of oil. If she thought the jar of oil was God, she would not have said, I have nothing but the jar. She would have said, oh, Mr. Prophet, I've got oil and that's God. No, she didn't say that. She didn't think much of the oil. Elisha said, do not gather just a few. All your, get all the vessels you can get empty. You see, God is not afraid of your emptiness. God likes your emptiness. Your emptiness is a challenge for God to fill you up. And uh, then he said, do not gather just a few. So he actually said to her, don't think small, don't think poverty. And what I, do, what I also like is he never said to her, do not gather just a few, but you are limited to 100. In God, there is no limit. That's why Elisha did not give her a limit. He actually said to her by implication, you decide what your limit is. That's why later on when they started to pour, what happened? When she took the jar of oil that she did not believe in, she poured and there came a moment that she poured more oil into the containers than what she had. Wow. Somebody say, wow. How do you pour more than what you had? You see, as long as you don't activate your gift, you will never see what's in your gift. As long as she looked at the gift, she said, well, in my gift there is one little what no in your gift there is a refinery but you will not see the refinery of oil in the one jar of oil until you activate it that's why you are sitting here on a friday night because we're talking about the creator we're not talking about an ordinary god this is not a golf club meeting this is a meeting where we come together as believers because something in our spirits say to us, I want to be there on a Friday night because there's more than just a speaker. There is another man behind the speaker who is the creator. And when he gets involved, he helps you to pour more than what you had. But you can never see the more in your gift unless you release what you have. God said, I want you to call five men for the upper room. I said, God, I'm not the man. I went through a whole list until I called them. I called the five men. Five became ten. Ten became twenty. And now we are still running. Now, now there's a DVD coming out, and we're going to put it on YouTube, and we have live material of what happened in the upper rooms. It's my church. It is powerful. If you see what happened in the first two upper rooms, you will come to the upper rooms. But, but where did it start? You need to believe that the thing, and tomorrow night I'm going to talk about that, that thing in you that needs to come out. Come on. He said, no, 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 Brother Andre, we want something out of you. No, 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 no. I'm going to turn it around. Tomorrow night I want it to come out of you. Don't worry, it's not an offering. <laughs> I know how you think. 
Okay. What happened? She poured. And then she said to one of the boys, hey, bring me another, bring me another container. Now she's got a lot of faith. Hey, bring me another container. The boy said, there is no more. Watch this. The oil stopped. Oil. How does the, the oil have ears? There's a godly gift in you that will stop the moment you do not believe. The moment the boy said, listen to what? The boy released the words. He says, mom, there's no more containers. All stop. Come on. Now the question is, did she, how many containers did she collect? She paid all her debt. She went on a royal pension. In that, that's what the Bible says. She went on a royal pension. Church, don't miss royalty. When you have the opportunity to embrace royalty. Come on. Don't underestimate this meeting. Don't you underestimate what I'm saying to you. I'm giving you keys that will work in the mountains of Arkansas without my help. Your faith in God and you will see a miracle. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Okay. Uh, when you look at 2 Kings chapter 5, and I'll do that one and. Second Kings chapter 5, real quick. Naaman, a great man of God, he was a, but he had leprosy. Verse 1 says he had leprosy. Second Kings 5, 1. Naaman was an honorable man, but he had leprosy. So they took a little Israel gold captive, and she said, well, there's a prophet in Israel. He can heal him of his leprosy. So he took gold and silver wagons, and he went to the prophet. prophet sent a messenger to the front door and said, go dip yourself in the Jordan, and you will be healed. Naaman lost his temper. He became furious. And he said, why can he not come out and wave over me and heal me? You see, number one, he wants God to heal him according to his mindset. He is used to waves. I just want to wave. Uh, my church is a wave church, and I, and I want God to heal me the wave way. I mean, I'm Baptist. I want God to do the Baptist way. I'm a assemblies of God. I want an assemblies of God healing. Watch what he said. He said, why can I not baptize myself in Abana and Farpar? Abana and Farpar were two rivers in Damascus. So watch this. He's, he's thinking. He senses. In his senses, there's two rivers, Abana and Farpar. Immediately, when God spoke about a river, he tried, to, he, tried to, he tried to exchange God's river for the two rivers that he know. God knows what you knows, and he's going to do it for you exactly in an area of your life that he knows you don't know about. Because as long as God do it in, within your senses, there's no faith involved. And faith pleases God. So God says, I'll do anything for you, but you, I've got one agreement. You must step out in faith. You must step out of your thinking. You must step out of your senses. Come on, church. And uh, senseless but godly. Uh, I want to stir you up for the great. When you look at Noah, how many of you heard about Noah? What is he known for? Ark, ship, boat. 
God said to him, hey, no, I want you to build me a big ship. How big, God? Hey, it's going to take you 120 years to build it. Wow. God, you want me to build you? Yeah, I want you to have all the animals of the world in there. God, do you have water for that thing? Watch, watch this. You see, it's not a God, it's the Creator. You cannot expect the Creator to always talk to you within your small little thinking. So now he starts to build a ship man has never seen, never seen waters for it, but he builds it. What makes a man build a ship that size? And there's nobody that can, I mean, he, I think Noah had a board meeting. Brought all the elders and the deacons in. He says, hey, man, God wants me to build this church. And this, it's going to take us 120 years. Can you imagine? How do you convince the elders that it's going to take us 120? I, I can just heal the elders. Yeah, but my mother died when she was 59. I will never make 120. How can we build 120? We, we'll have to print dollars in God. It's God. Come on. Everybody thought Noah was a fool. But when the ship was completed and the animals came, and all of a sudden the weather changed, come on. I prophesy to you. There's prophets that looks like fools until the weather changed. Let me tell you something. There's a great awakening coming to America. I've got nothing to prove it. You may not believe me. But more and more people are starting to write about the great awakening. When you look at America, when you look at the political situation, when you look at the, the morale of America, when you look at the nations, when you look at what's going on in Israel, when you look at all over the world, there is a need for a great awakening. Church, God is in control. Sometimes, you know what? Sometimes God allows things to spin out of control so that he can create a desperateness in humanity. Come on. He took Ezekiel, he put Ezekiel in a valley of dry bones. Go and read verse 1. He took him in the spirit and he put him in a valley of dry bones. He did not put him in a five-star hotel. Put him in a valley. History, lost hope, lost, his, lost dreams, lost visions, the past. The bones was not, it was not only bones because the bones had to come together. So even the bones were separated from one another. The head bone and the neck bone and the, the bones were not even together. And God looked at the valley and God said, Ezekiel, can these bones live? Senseless, God, are you sense? God, have you lost your mind? God, you ask me? God is going to ask tough questions to the modern-day Ezekiels. And if you are in the spirit, 
you will give an answer that will please God. But if men hear what you answer, men will think you're a fool. You believe this in an awakening coming to America, Brother Andre? Yes, sir. Can you prove it? No, sir. Have you heard from the Lord? Yes, sir. Why? Creator said so. He's in control. Come on. Okay. Mark 14. Now I'm going to preach about Mark 14 tomorrow night. There's a crazy woman. She, had a, she said, I'm going to break my flask. I read an article the other day about the flask. I think it's Mike Bickle that said that flask was equal to $30,000. Crazy. You're going to break $30,000 flask of oil and pour it out in one session on him? Are you crazy? No. Tomorrow night I will show you what, where that end, where that will go. Come on. There's a flask in you that you need to bring to the party. Come tomorrow night. It's going to be glorious. Come on, church. I'm not going to shout on you. I'm not going to make myself tired. I'm giving you keys to step into the greater in your everyday life. Are you with me? Okay. Now, Matthew 14. I'll do Matthew 14 quickly. Uh, and then I'll do Luke 5. And then I'll do my story. And I, I hope I can end then. Mark 14. We're talking about senseless but godly. Church, the thing that makes me the most excited in my whole journey with the Lord is all the senseless things that I had to do. Mark 14, the ship falls apart. Disciples is in the ship. It was a storm. Bible says Jesus was on his way to the ship, and I will not go into all the revelation there. And the disciples thought it was a ghost. Jesus heard what they said. They, he heard they said it's a ghost. Jesus said, it is I. I love that. He's the only one that can say it is I and everybody know who it is. Don't try that on your phone. Rather, use your name. Watch this. Peter said to Jesus, Peter, can you, can you release a word so that I can come to you on the water? Crazy Peter. I can just hear the brothers in the ship. Peter, have you lost your brains? We are not even sure it's him on the ocean. We think it's a ghost. And you believe it's Christ because he said it's him. You want to walk on water, Peter? No man has ever done that in history. Peter had a choice to listen to God or to listen to the voice in the ship. You see, we all have a ship and we all have voices in our world and our, in our life that will contradict the voice of God. When Peter said, can I come to you on the water? Jesus said, come. Jesus, creator, he was there in the beginning. He said, let there be an ocean with fish let there be light light let there be mountains he created by speaking it 
And Peter realized he did not use all his creative abilities when he created the earth. He is the living word. He is today, today, forever. Come on. And as long as the word is alive and the word is alive forever and ever and ever and ever, the word can release. He can release words. That's why we have prophetic ministries that my tongue is just an extension of his tongue. Come on. When, when I prophesy, we have seen a great move of God the last few weeks in the prophetic. Uh, I had people weep. I, I was in a church where a senior pastor wept and wept and wept. Church is 4,000. He wept and wept and wept. And he, later on, he said, I've never wept so much in my whole life. He said, because I've never heard, and he knows the prophetic. He said, but I've never heard such incredible things spoken to my leaders. In, they had meetings about certain leaders and their retirement or what needs to happen. And they had those meetings within a week before the conference. And the Lord used me to prophesy words, literally word by word their discussions that they had and the Lord confirmed certain things about certain people's retirement. You say, well, what does God have to do with my retirement? You've got no idea how detailed he is. He knows your hair count. He knows your retirement numbers. And if you are in line with him, he can bring a prophet into the house that will prophesy into your retirement and people will start to weep that were in the meetings and say, but how is it possible? He's the creator wow how did I get onto that <laughs> so now Peter is going to walk on water he cannot walk on water with his senses because your senses cannot go there my feet is on water it's a storm not only water, it's even a storm. <laughs> you see, my senses can figure this out. Because my senses know this is solid. But my senses, the moment I step on water, my senses cannot go there. I don't know. Faith. And a word from God can get you to places where man has never gone before. Come on. There's areas in your life. You see, church, don't do what I've done. Do what is faith for you in your world. You may do something that is a big step of faith for you. It's not a big step of faith for me. But there was a time in my life that the same step that's big for you now was big for me. Come on. Are you excited? Does this help you? Okay. Luke 5, and then I'm going to tell you a little story. Luke 5, watch this. Peter tried to catch fish. Came back, no, no fish. Bible says there were two boats standing by the lake. Fishermen had gone. Somebody had a bad day. No catch. Jesus, the creator, showed up. He said to Peter, hey, can I use your ship? He got into Peter's ship, his boat, and now he preaches kingdom. He takes Peter's business, Peter's structure, Peter's boat. That was Peter's business. He got into his business and he says, hey, Peter, can I tell the people about my kingdom, but I want to stand in your kingdom? 
I want to stand in your world telling them about my world. You see, if you're willing to give your world to him so that he can promote his world, you're in for a surprise. So Peter said, well, I had a bad day. If you want to use this stinking ship as a pulpit, go ahead, Jesus. I mean, this stinking thing didn't work today. We caught nothing. Come on. So Jesus promoted his kingdom. Next moment, after Jesus promoted his kingdom, he's the creator. He said to Peter, hey, let's go deep. Now Jesus is saying to Peter, let's take this structure to the very place it was designed for. Yeah, but Jesus, what do you know about my profession? I mean, you are the creator. I'm a fisherman. You will be surprised what God knows about your world. You'll be surprised what he knows about your business. So Peter went at the right time, caught nothing. He had the right bait, caught nothing. Now they go at the wrong time, and Jesus even said, go deep. Come on. He knows more about the deep in your life than what you know about the deep in your life. He said, well, I have a revelation about my business. Uh, he can show you depths in your business that you've never seen before. Long story short, now they are in the deep. What happened? Jesus said, take nets. Peter took one net. We'll not preach about that. He did what Jesus said. He just altered God's word. I mean, Jesus, I know you want us to take all the nets, but I'm going to take one. Mistake. You see, when you have a one net mentality, then don't bring God into your business because he does not have a one net mentality. Okay, that was another mistake. Let's not preach about that. Now they're in the ocean. What happened? Here comes the ocean and flip into the net. How does the fish swim and jump into the net at the wrong time? Because God controls the ocean. God made high water, low water. God has put seasons into the ocean. When is high water, when is low water? And then there's certain fish eat certain bait. God made all those laws. Come on, God even designed the taste in the mouth of every fish. But you know what? When the creator is in the ship, things is going to flip into the ship that never flipped. You know what happened? Both sank. Both. The boat is now sinking. Sinking? Sinking means the weight capacity of the ship. God has no respect for the weight capacity of the ship. Well, my business was made to generate one million. Well, is that all your business was made for? One million. Well, he doesn't think that way. Well, I will not preach about that because the weight capacity could not take it. They invited the other boat. That boat also sank. What happened? God broke the law of nature because even the laws in nature is designed by God. But when God is in your ship, even the laws of nature will be adjusted. You say, but that doesn't make sense. Yeah, but it's because God is in the ship. When God is in the ship, senseless things will happen. Wow. I was in, I'm in the ministry for 34 years. 
I had a church in Benoni, South Africa. I resigned my church in January 87. I went into the ministry in 1980. So it's seven years later, I resigned my church. I had the promises of God to go into the nations. I resigned my church, and I'm going to pray a lot. And my wife and I attended a Rayma Bible school for two years as an interim. But basically, I disappeared from the sea. Nobody knows where I am. Some people are angry at me because I resigned the church, and they don't want me to resign. And other people come to certain conclusions. Well, I made a mistake, and you know how people are. They just decide what they think is wrong with you. No, they have no idea what God told me. And there's a season that you cannot tell everybody what God told you because they're not going to believe you anyhow. Well, what are you going to do? Why do you resign the church? Well, I'm on my way to the nations, and God has said that he's going to use me in South Africa, and then he's going to use me in America. You cannot say that to people if you cannot prove it. So now you say nothing. So now they jump to conclusions all of a sudden. Everybody, there's rumors. Everybody, rumors. Well, Andre Fonsell is this, and Andre Fonsell is that. Long story short, I live in Pretoria. I moved from Benoni to Pretoria, east side of Johannesburg to Pretoria, which is 30 minutes from Johannesburg. And uh, I'm in faith. Now I'm really in faith. I mean, I'm an accountant by trade. And when the prophet said to me in 1980, you will live by faith, I almost said, mm-mm. That's not a word for an accountant. We don't live by faith. We live by numbers. I remember when that word, and, 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 and the, the last time I had a salary check was in January 1987. He said, well, don't your ministry give you a check every month? Yes, only if there's money. Well, where does the money come from? Well, I need to move. And I need to, I, need, I mean, if God has not used me, there's no money. But you know what? I've got a brand new shirt on. I've got some new shoes, although that was given to me. So I'm well taken care of. Got a new jeans on. It's new tonight, amen. Nice. You like that? I know. I resigned my church. I disappeared from the scene. All I had was the promises. God, the promises. You spoke about America, you spoke about the end time, you spoke about Africa, you spoke about all these books that will be written, you, you spoke a lot of things, God, especially about the end time revival. And uh, nobody wants me, nobody knows where I am, I, I, I have no invitations. Um, and about a year later, I'm still praying, 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 I live by faith. Man, I, it was a tough season. And one night, two o'clock, the Lord said to me, I want you to buy a tent. I'm praying. I'm not talking about these tents that we plan today. Those days, if you say tent, you will scare me. I've been in tent crusades in South Africa, big ones, but uh, I was just somebody that will attend the crusade because I had friends that had tents. And the Lord said to me, I want you to buy a tent. I said, you want me to buy a tent? I heard the Lord very clear. And the Lord said to me, I said, how big? The Lord says, at least 3,000 people. I said, God, 3,000 people? Plus, the Lord said, plus. I said, Lord, why so big? The Lord says, that's what I want you to buy. I said, God, I don't even have a ministry. I don't even preach to two people. 
Lord, nobody knows where I am. Where will I get the money for the tent? Why must I buy the tent? Who will come to the tent? How will I start? Then I said, okay, God, what about the chairs? What about the lights? What about the generators? What about a special truck because it's a massive tent? Who will put it up? Why so big? I argued with the Lord for a few months. And every in those days, I really prayed a lot. I prayed. That was my whole life, prayer. I prayed night and day, night and day, night and day, night and day, night and day. I realized that's all I have. I need to pray, pray, pray. And the moment I start to pray, I see visions, dreams, visions, dreams. And all, when I start to pray, I get into the spirit and I start to see things. And then I get inspired and then I pray more, pray more, pray more. And then I got addicted to prayer. And then when I start to see the visions of what's going to happen, then I get frustrated because when I get out of prayer, I'm not in it. I, I, I don't, so now I'm frustrated. Now, then I, then I came to a point where I said, God, I'm not going to pray anymore because you show me too many things when I pray. And when I see the things, I want to do it and I have no means to do it. And all you say is, buy a tent. So then I withdraw from prayer for a week, and then I go into prayer. Two o'clock in the morning, one o'clock. You can ask my wife. I prayed. Pray, 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 pray. When I start to pray, again, I see visions, 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 visions. And then I heard the Lord say again, buy a tent that seats 3,500 people. God, what about the chairs? What about the lamps? And then the Lord said to me one night, I did not ask you to buy the rest. I was so desperate. I heard God. It did not make sense. Not in the context of where I was. That was the most foolish thing you could ever have done. Long story short, I got the money and we bought a tent that seats 3,500 people. God is my testimony. I have a picture of that tent in Atlanta. It's going to be in a book that will come out the end of this year. You will see the picture of it. And um, I bought the tent. And the moment I bought the tent, I say to a pastor friend of mine, I said, I just bought a tent that sees 3,500 people. He said, what? I said, yes. I said, I've got it. They're going to deliver it. I said, but I've got nothing else. I've just have the tent. Uh, I've got a friend who will take care of it for me. Just hold on to it. He said, you bought a tent at Jesus 3? I said, yes, sir. I said, this is what it looks like when it's up. Within two weeks, my phone started ringing. Now, you must understand, church, in my desperateness, when I resigned my church, I disappeared from the scene. Sometimes God will first destroy your old image. Before he will allow you to step into the image that he wants from you. Two weeks later, the phone rang. Do you know how many times I laid my hands on my phones? I said, God, can somebody just call me? Can somebody, Lord, God, can somebody, Lord, uh, God, God, uh, all I, I've got your word. I've got your word. You, you said, God, I'm going to go to America, I'm going to go to the nations. I'm going to do all, God, God, your word, your word, God. But God, no, can somebody just call me? I want T.D. Jakes. God, T.D. Jakes, Benny Hinn. Oh, Jesus, they can call me. You can give my number to them in America and they can call me. 
I know you can do it, but you don't do it. So I'm going to put oil on my telephone. I put oil on my telephone. I put oil on my laptop. I put oil on everything because I oil everything. I've done it. Nothing happened. Bought the tent. Pring, 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 pring. Telephone ring. Is this Andre Fonsell? I said, yes, sir. I said, who is this? They said, it's pastor so-and-so. I heard you bought a tent that seats 3,500 people. I said, yes, sir. He said, I want you to come to my church and do meetings, a whole series, but don't bring the tent. Two days later, another phone rang. Is this Andre Fonsell? I said, yes, sir. This is Pastor so-and-so from Cape Town, 5,500 miles down south. I want you to come and do meetings in my church. I heard a story that you bought a tent that sees 3,500 people. I said, yes, sir. I got 10 calls, 15 calls, 20 calls. Everybody heard I bought a tent that sees 3,500 people. Now watch what happened. On the other side, in their mind, in their mind, the finger of God starts to paint the picture. Andre von bought a tent that sees 3,500 people. He's a mighty man of God. God used him mightily in miracles, signs, and wonders. He prophesies. And, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit paints through a picture of a tent, something I did, paint to them a picture of how mighty I am, how great I am, what I'm doing for the Lord. In the meantime, I've never had a tent crusade. I never had chairs. I never had lights. I never had a generator. I never had a truck. And two years later, I sold the tent. The Lord said, sell it. I said, why must I sell it? The Lord says, it has served its purpose now. I am on the map. I'm preaching in the greatest churches. I've just preached in a church that sees 13,000 people in South Africa. It is the fastest growing Pentecostal church, the church that plants the most churches in Africa. I'm a friend of that church. It's an AFM church. I would never have preached in that church. Rainer Bonke and myself is the only two men that preach in that place. How did I get into those kind of churches? You see, church, they never believe my ministry. But when I bought a tent that does not matter, makes sense. God used it and he fooled the whole nation with how mighty I am. I went to one church. Pastor, traditional, stubborn. You don't get pastors like that in America, but over there. I'm on his platform. He's one of them. I know what he said about me. I know. But I can't say to him, I know what you said. I'm on his platform, and he bent over to me. I haven't even preached there yet. It's one of those churches you don't really want to preach because, you know, I mean, everything you need to, to, you need to do to perfection. And he said to me, I want you to give me another, another date. I said, another date for what, Pastor? He says, I want you to come back. I said, Pastor, you haven't even heard me yet. I said, I'm going to do four services. You already want another date? You see, in his mind, I am a mighty man of God. Because God used my tent to paint a picture to him who this man is standing in his pulpit that he disapproved two years before that. What am I saying to you? One senseless act can put you on the map. Five years ago, I'm in Atlanta 
We moved into Atlanta in 2002. Five years ago, it was about 2009. I found out here's another box that we never unpacked since we emigrated to America. I unpacked my box, and what comes out of my box? The only picture that was ever taken of my tent when it was up with 1990s little cars standing in front of it. And when I saw it, I said, Lord, I completely forgot. This is how it starts. There is my tent that seats 3,500 people. And the Lord said, when you write a book about it, put it in the book. Thank you for your excitement. Those in the balcony, will you just calm down and sit down, please? Thank you. Hallelujah! Come on, church. What happened? When God said to me, buy a tent, I, I heard his voice because I was so addicted to prayer that I heard his voice. And I've learned one thing. When you go into prayer and you hear God and God say, I want you to call five leaders and I want to do the upper room and I want to start an awakening, don't listen to other people. Listen to this. Something comes to my mind. When Moses, I think Moses killed an Egyptian. And I haven't read this for years, but it just comes to mind now. The Bible says, and he looked this way and that way before he acted. And when he saw that nobody saw him, he killed the Egyptian. Well, they saw him. But there's a translation that says, a man that still have to look this way and that way before he acts is not yet fit to be used of God. So what am I saying to you? When God said to you, do it. Don't look left and right. Do it. And if you do it, you will be in a Kairos moment and God will take care of you. I can honestly say to you, church, I bought a tent that does not make sense. To travel with a tent that seats 3,500 people is not a joke. <laughs> it costs a lot of money just to get it up. But you know what? It actually it was up twice. And other people put it up and I just spoke in it. I remember the one evangelist. He was the missions director of the AFM. He says, Andre, can we put your tent up? I want you to speak in it with other leaders. I said, sir, you must understand. I do not have a truck. I do have nothing. He says, don't you worry. We'll come and get it. We'll put it up. You just come and preach. I said, yes, Jesus. I'm going to preach in my own tent. But it's not my chairs, it's not my lights, it's not my generators, it's just my piece of sail. And now I'm now, I am the mighty man. Oh God, how did I get into this? Can I give you one more example? Sorry, I know it's late, but I don't want to go back to my hotel room now. I'm sitting in a hotel room every week of my life. Don't send me back there. It's like the woman who built the upper room. 
She saw Elisha, and she said to her husband, Hey, let's build an upper room. I want him to turn in. I don't want to preach about that. There's powerful revelations there. What happened? Now she's got Elisha on a bed. That's God. Bed speaks of rest. She built the upper room. She bought the furniture, not Walmart furniture, Ashley's. Nice stuff. Watch this. Prophet is on the bed. Prophet wants to bless her. She said, no, I'm happy. I don't need to meet the king and the commander of the army. Bible's, Elisha says to, to Gehazi, bring her. Now she stood on the threshold. She stood in the doorway. Bible, one translation says she stood on the threshold. Watch this. Now she's going to hear a word. Beyond her senses. Bible says she had no children. Her husband is old. The old man speaks of the season for children as gone. But with God in the room, no season is gone. Elisha said, next year this time you will embrace a son. Son means ministry. Son means carrier of future generations. Watch this. She stood on the threshold where her whole life is going to be transformed. Listen to this. A threshold she built and she financed. He said, well, I want God to use me. God says, I'm going to use you to build something. And I'm going to use you to bring something into existence. And if I can find you obedient to do that thing that I want you to do, in that thing that you will do is your answer. I want you to buy a tent. Why must I buy a tent? It's the tent that will open doors for you. I want you to build an upper room. Why must I build an upper room? In the upper room, the prophet will come in. He will lay there. A word will come to you for a son, for a future, for a ministry, for honor. Oh, but I must first build the upper room. Yes. Sometimes we're seeking the miracle, but sometimes God says, Oh, you want that miracle? Do this for me. Oh, you want that to happen? Okay, do this for me. Oh, but you want, oh, you, oh, so, oh, so you want, oh, so you want, you want, you want, you want, you want that? Okay, do this for me. Faith. God will do anything for you if you will do what he asked you to do. Because the moment, you see church, when I bought a tent of 3,500 uh, uh, seats, immediately I stepped into a world where I felt insecure. 3,500 people, God, I've never preached. Lord, I've never preached. Oh God. But now, I'm in his territory. And the moment I'm in his territory, he takes over. And all of a sudden, people that I could not call, calls me. Senseless, but godly. I will not go into more. All I want to say is, your senses is a gift from God. But there's something beyond your senses, beyond your understanding, 
That's why God says, if you want to prove whether it's the good and acceptable will of God, this thing needs to be renewed. He's bigger than your understanding. There's little things in even in my own life where I still make adjustments. Well, I need to have so many meetings because if I can have so many meetings, I will have this kind of income. Because, God, we need this kind of income to accomplish this. God says, don't time it down to so many meetings. Trust me that I can do in one meeting what you thought I could not do in 30 meetings a month. God is saying, you don't need to have 30 meetings and preach yourself off your feet and destroy your body. Your body is my vehicle that I use. Trust me. I said, okay, God. Now I trust him. Oh, my God. Wow. Where did this come from? Yeah, God. Came out of one meeting. Thank you, Lord. Something's happening. Come on, church. Your creator is my creator. We all serve the same God. And he says, trust me. Even if you feel foreign, don't let your mind go back. Because if your mind goes back to the zone of comfort, it's an opportunity to go back. Don't seek an opportunity. Don't give your mind an opportunity to take you back. Stay in faith. Trust him. He's faithful. Hallelujah. Are you excited? Will you do this? You see, yeah, but brother, I want you to lay your hands on me and I want you to prophesy to me five minutes nonstop. <laughs> no, it doesn't always work that way. You see, church, I cannot prophesy faith. You have a measure of faith. I cannot, pro I cannot give you faith. God says he has given all of us a measure of faith. But when we start to seek him, he's going to ask you. I can bet you he's going to ask you. In the context of your life, he's going to ask you to do something that's going to challenge you. But that's right where your miracle is hiding. When that woman poured more oil than what she had, she realized, I had the miracle in my house, and I never knew it. Andre van Sale have a miracle in him, but he needs to release it. Tomorrow night, I'm going to get something out of you that will blow your mind, and it will blow the mind of the people around you. Oh, you say in me? Yes, in you. You better come tomorrow night. It's going to be awesome. Say after me, there's something in me. I have no clue what it looks like until I pour it. Say, the man of God is going to help me tomorrow night. To get this thing in me out in the open.
Church, in this meeting, we have all that we need to have for the most incredible things that can happen in all of our lives. You have no idea. When God measures this meeting in the Spirit, you have no idea how good the measurement look that's in this meeting. I am just the one that's coming to say, trust Him. And church, I am ready to step to another level in my walk with the Lord because once you taste this, this makes you like a madman running after God. <laughs> Hallelujah. This week I will speak to leaders. Uh, next week I will speak to leaders. Nobody connected me with these leaders. Nobody introduced me to these leaders. But I have an apostolic voice to leaders. And I'm not afraid of them. Where did it start? It started in my study in Atlanta when God said to me, call five men and tell them what I have just told you is coming to America. And now it's happening. But I want you to have the same experience. Hallelujah. Put a smile on your face. Try to look excited. I'm going to get myself tomorrow night three people that will jump every now and then. And I'm going to get four that will shout amens. And then I'm going to have five that will do the hallelujahs. And uh, did I tell you about my tape that I, when I was on television? I must have told you this. I must have told you this. I came into America. I'm from Africa. I'm raw. And they invite me on television. And every time I say something good, I just heard, wow, there's thousands of people cheering me. So I'm doing an interview. And the moment the guy asks me a question, I try to figure out where's the crowd. <laughs> and then I say something good and I heard the crowd and I said, man. If I'm going to hear that crowd again, I'm going to preach. I'm not going to sit in this chair because this, this crowd is really pumped up. And you know, a crowd normally gets something out of the speaker. Come on. If I teach you about crowd dynamics, you can get more out of me if you just know how to get it out of me. But you don't know. And I thought, where's this crowd? And, every, and then I noticed this guy. When he thinks I said something good, he pressed the button, and then there's a 3,000 crowd on a tape. I said, oh, God. The Lord said to me, this is America. They fabricate a crowd. I said, God, that's a good idea. I'm going to take that to the churches, especially the dead ones. And I'm going to put it on the microphone and on the speaker. And if, and if I say, hallelujah, I'm going to press the button and 3,000 people will go crazy. <sighs> so if you don't do what you need to do, I'm going to bring my tape tomorrow night. 
And I will do my tape, and then we will have really good church. Amen? <laughs> Turn to somebody and say, don't let him bring his tape. Let's help him. <laughs> will you give God some praise? You see, church, the apostolic is all about stirring people. The apostolic is about stirring up gifts. The apostolic is about exhorting people to go to the next level. And that's the people that made the greatest impressions on my life. I came to a point many, many years ago where another guy that's going to do a three-point thing did not get me, did not do nothing for me. But when I went to meetings where I know this man, this man, there's more than just what he say. I'm not going to get out of this man just in one session. But I need to listen to him because behind what he says, there is a walk with the Lord, and that thing needs to come on me. And if that, if his DNA can come on me, this man's life is going to influence me for the next 30, 40 years. He doesn't need to lay hands on me, but I want to listen to him. So there's people you can listen to, and you will get three ideas. There's other people you can listen to, it'll transform your life. When she stood on the threshold, she thought he's just going to say something ordinary. The same man that she thought was holy, now release a word over her. Come on, church. She got a word bigger than her senses. She stood in the upper room, and she did not know that God was going to revive the bedroom. Come on. Come on, church. And we need to have meetings where what happened in this room is going to influence other rooms and other environments. And other, Come on, church. Her husband was not on the threshold. She was on the threshold. You are on the threshold. Your family is not with you tonight. But God says, don't worry about your family. As long as you are on the threshold and you hear what you need to hear, it's going to influence your bedroom, your lounge, your kitchen, your finances, your business. Because when you listen to Elisha, he's a prophet, speaks of the creative word of God. And that's what I believe tonight's happening here. That's why this man laid a great foundation before I spoke. And it's not because I'm so mighty and so great. But church, I want to say to you, that what is on me will come on you. Hallelujah. Keep your eyes open now. Pray. Say, Lord, I thank you for my senses, but renew it so that I will not limit you in what's coming. Say, sometimes I will feel foreign. But sometimes it will be your voice that is so strong, it will not make sense in reality, but I will know that I know that I know that I know. It's you. And when I'm obedient, God will swear. 
over my life. And I will please you to the ultimate. Hallelujah. How many of you honestly desire that? Just such a life. Hallelujah. 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 I don't know what to do.